If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A problem that I have been focusing on a great deal is the problem of mental illness in our society. And I have a lot of concerns about the prevalence of mental illness and I have a lot of concerns about how the mentally ill are are being treated. And a lot of those concerns were became a lot more concerning after reading through, and I haven't read, the, read this whole book yet, but what I have read is pretty eye-opening, reading through the book The Psych Ward Notes, Surviving Anxiety and Depression. Its author is Peter Vox, uh, who is kind enough to join us now. He also happens to be a retired school teacher and a professional musician. Peter, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Uh, thank you for having me, Frank. How are you? So, Peter, now you've experienced some problems with, uh, with mental illness. Um, when did you start first experiencing problems and difficulty with mental illness, and what was the nature of the mental illness that you uh, experienced? Um, it started early childhood at about age five um, and age nine. It, it, I, I had a, my first existential crisis. Um, I was, it was partly environmental and part genetics for the most part of uh, this mental illness in the family. And then um, my father was a hypochondriac, a depressed anxiety. Um, and the concept of death was very prevalent in the household. And um, you actually ended up in a psych ward? Correct. Yes. I uh, spent um, a total of 14 months in psych wards and I did 11 months consecutively. And you voluntarily checked yourself in? Uh, the the last time I spent the 11 months, I knew I was going to be in there for a, quite a while because I was taking Ativan. Uh, I accidentally almost overdid on Ativan. It unfortunately causes suicidal ideation. And if you have those thoughts already, it sort of speeds up those thoughts. So unfortunately, there were some incidences with uh, medication. So um, when you were in the psych ward... You write that you actually were the recipient of ECT therapy, which is basically better known to a lot of folks as electroshock therapy. Now, the knowledge that I think a lot of people have of electroshock therapy comes from films like uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and uh, television programs like uh, like Homeland, neither of which really put ECT therapy, they portrayed in a good light. What was your experience like getting ECT therapy? Uh, Very much like going to the dentist to get your wisdom teeth pulled out. Um, The amount of volts that they uh, uh, shock you with is 12 volts. So to put it into context, when you test a 9-volt battery on your tongue, um, it's it's 3 volts stronger than that. Um, It's in a well-lit, a a nice room, uh, you know, um, like a dentist's office. You're hooked up to an IV. And the preparation for uh, the actual, it's, they induce mini seizures. So the preparation for that with the electrodes 
and a mouth guard just in case you bite your, you grind your teeth or bite your tongue. You don't see any of that. Uh, you're put under sedation. Um, and a few minutes later, you wake up. Uh, you're a little bit um, out of it for a few minutes. Some people claim there's uh, they have memory loss, but I, I didn't experience any of that. Now, um, a lot of folks view ECT therapy almost the same way they would view uh, treatments that have fallen out of favor. Uh, stuff like um, using leeches to treat uh, strep throat, which is what bled George Washington. Did you find ECT therapy helpful? Um, honestly, I can't give an honest opinion about it because I was on so many different medications at the time that I'm not sure it it was fully effective. Um, I remember times where uh, I was having heightened feelings and uh, of anxiety and uh, lots of flashbacks about the past and feelings coming up. So it, it may have opened some sort of some sort of door to uh, maybe purging some feelings that I that I didn't face before. Now I, I've met you. You um, struck me as uh, in the, when the two of us were conversing, probably the more mentally healthy and well balanced person out of the two of us. Um, <laughs> what do you attribute your? I don't want to say recovery, but the fact that you are so doing so well now, too, do you attribute that to your experience in the psych ward and the treatment that you got there, or is it in spite of that? Um, it's a combination of both. Uh, the one advantage of, unfortunately, having this since uh, such a young age is that I'm used to it, and um, I've tried... Uh, unfortunately, the medication route is can be dangerous. I've tried over 21 different medications, um, and it's it's you have to uh, figure out what works for you. Um, in the psych ward, uh, there's a really there's a if you use the time correctly, um, there's a lot of time for self reflection, and uh, you really you realize what's important in life and that you don't want to go back there, obviously, uh, because I mean, it's not prison, but you're, you're still locked up. You can't leave. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Peter Vox, who uh, was treated in a psych ward and actually kept a journal of his experiences in the psych ward. And he's now published it as a book. It's called the psych ward notes, surviving anxiety and depression. It's available on Amazon. You could just search Peter Vox, V-O-X, or you could search the Psych Ward Notes. Uh, you mentioned Ativan. You mentioned ECT therapy. What about what other medications were you prescribed over the years to deal with your uh, anxiety and depression and mental health issues in general? Sure. Um, it goes back to 1993. The first medication I ever tried was Xanax. I've tried uh, in terms of the benzodiazepine Xanax, Valium, Clonopin. Um, the SSRIs, I've tried Lexapro, um, Celexa, Prozac, uh, I've tried Trazodone, um, or my Abilify, Cymbalta, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, it's, um, at a certain point when, um, my, the mental illness was getting out of control in my late forties when, when the hospitalizations took place, that's when I really felt that 
the um, the doctors were just pushing any sort of medication on me, and it was it, it felt a little willy nilly. Um, oh, try this one, try this one, and it became a seven or eight medications at a time, in, in, including lithium and Seroquel, um, which if, if anyone's not familiar, they make you gain a lot of weight, which is uh, which is actually counterintuitive to your self-esteem. Um, uh, while you're not as depressed as you were, you're, you're quite heavy afterwards. So that doesn't, doesn't really help either. Did um, you write that the, the, a lot of the medication that you were taking had a lot of deleterious side effects. Do you think it was the side effects of these medications that led you to try to take your own life? Um, yes. Well, I, I they add, they definitely push it to where um, you you sort of act like a robot. I call it being in the Mr. Spock zone, where you just matter-of-factly just take a hand of pills, or you matter-of-factly just take a resistance band and put it around your neck. And, you, and um, those were two of my instances, and I sort of stopped myself. I said, what am I doing? Especially when I had the resistance band around my neck, you sort of snap into reality and um, uh, catch yourself doing these things. But if, if you're depressed and you have anxiety and you, and your those suicidal thoughts come into mind and they're passing thoughts and, oh, I would never do, and you think I would never do something like that. Um, I felt certain medications amplified that to where you get to the point where you do try to do something like that. Interesting. And that's kind of, that's pretty scary. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> uh, the philosopher musician Pete Townsend said that uh, nobody appreciates the power of a flame more than somebody that's been burned. And uh, the day before mm-hmm. my brother got married, he slept in the same room as me, and he asked me for any advice that I had on being married. I told him the people that he should really be asking were all the divorced people that he knew because they probably knew what mistakes to avoid. In some respects, I think your experience, positive and negative, at the psych ward probably makes you the greatest authority on the future treatment of of the mentally ill. So if you were to offer advice to mental health professionals, to family members, to people that may be suffering with anxiety and depression in their own lives, or to policymakers, how do you think that we improve the quality of the care that the seriously mentally ill are receiving in places like psych wards? Um, There needs to be more... Uh, obviously more space for them. There needs to be more staff. Uh, I think that the, the medications are given out so willy-nilly because it's a, it's a quick fix uh, of, for the backlog of patients that they have. So, um, you know, there's, there's resources needed. Uh, the physical structures of the building, uh, of the buildings I were in were nice enough Um that was that didn't seem to be an issue. It's it's, it's the time that the therapists have with you, the social workers, um, and the uh, and the psychiatrists. But I must say that the, the greatest people that I met in in the psych wards, and I can't stress this enough to, to everybody out there, are the behaviors health associates and the nurses. They're just they're they're the people that you have the most conversations with, and. They're willing to give you, um, you know, tough love and real advice and, and give it to you straight sometimes when, when maybe you necessarily don't want to hear it, but you have to hear it. And um, 
How do you, let's say there are family members of people that uh, are mentally ill listening to us right now, mm-hmm. and they want to get their loved one or their friend some some treatment. What is the best way to get someone who needs help to agree to receive help? Um, it's uh, taught, If they talk to other people that have gotten help and to realize that, uh, the world of psychology, you know, it wasn't created for that, just that one person. There's, there's lots of people going through this. And um, the hardest thing is to admit, once you admit there's something wrong and once you admit maybe something embarrassing about yourself, there's a certain uh, freedom to that. Uh, I just remember the first time I admitted very embarrassing things to a psychiatrist many years ago, and I was laughing so much, and he asked me, why, why are you laughing so much? I said, I feel a little bit free, you know, and that was my reaction to it. And um, it's, it's scary to think that you're saying something that, um, that you might be judged by. And uh, men- mental health professionals, good ones, have heard it all. So chances are what you're telling them is, is not going to be very shocking. Um. One of the things that we've heard from some people is that in places like New York and elsewhere, that we should look at broader use of Kendra's law, which would allow authorities to uh, force someone to be you know, detained in a mental health facility if they're refusing to comply with, the, with, uh, with taking their medication. What's your view with that? Do you think that we need broader use of Kendra's law and that might stop the seriously and potentially violently mentally ill people that are out there from hurting someone? Um, I, I feel that uh, if there's someone that is, is homicidal, they're schizophrenic, they have violent tendencies, uh, these were some patients that I became friends with, that were hospitalized, and if they weren't on their meds, um, you know, they attacked their families. Thank God uh, they didn't kill anybody, but they they violently attacked their families with knives, and there were stabbings, and had they not been on their meds, um, it could have been worse. So there, there needs to be uh, close tabs kept on people that are uh, potentially dangerous. Obviously, if they're um, if they have a history of violence, then they they need to be institutionalized or or at least be in a day program uh, where they go during the day. They can go home at night, um, but there needs to be more, uh, you know, done to to, to to you know to clamp down on uh, you know violence that's happening. Uh, uh, people just seeing we're talking with Peter Vox. He's the author of the book The Psych Ward Notes. Surviving Anxiety and uh, Depression. It's available on Amazon. You can go ahead to search Peter Vox or search the Psych Ward Notes, and uh, you could buy it uh, on there, and it'll arrive in a day or so. Obviously, it's a natural part of life for people to occasionally be depressed, to occasionally be anxious. How do we know whether a, a loved one or a friend or a coworker that might seem depressed or anxious is just dealing with what's natural, or how do we know if this is a sign of mental illness that we should be recognizing and trying to get them some help for? If it's lasting for more than a month, then something's going on. Uh, um, if it's a couple of days, you know, a couple, two weeks, someone's depressed over uh, 
um, you know, they lost their job, obviously, or, or, or a car accident or something, you know, my, uh, you know, minor car accident or just something's going on where they just have, they just have the blues. It's something simple. It gets, you know, they get over it after a few days, but if it's weeks and months and the person is becoming introverted, they're not enjoying, uh, the things that they once enjoyed, um, obviously no noticeable changes in, in mood, um, or talking about different subject matters, maybe talking in, in a more pessimistic, uh, you know, tone of voice, or just starting to look at life differently, you know, sort of taking a 180 of a 180 degree turn of what their normal, um, you know, their normal behavior is. Tell me, uh, tell me some of the other stories of patients that you encountered in the psych ward. You alluded to those that uh, might be violent what were some of the other standout stories uh, regarding other patients? Um, the the schizophrenics. Um, I got to speak to quite a few schizophrenics, and um, it it was uh, I found it very fascinating because I always wanted to know what you go through. You know, what does a schizophrenic go through? And um, I just happened to spend a, two gentlemen that I became close friends with, uh, they were schizophrenics and they told me about, uh, the voices that they hear in their head. They're, um, they sound like they could sound like male, female, um, the voices get louder, lower. They argue with each other. Sometimes they'll, um, tell the person what to do. Um, one gentleman told me that the voices get so loud, um, that it actually hurts his ears. He has to hold his ears that it gets so, um, that the yelling and screaming gets so intense. And I asked him, I said, does it sound like I'm stand like I'm standing here talking to you? And it sounds as real as you're having a conversation mm. with someone. Wow. It's a true, um, you're hearing a full conversation. And if it sounds like someone's standing behind you talking, uh, I have to end it there, Peter, uh, but sure. let's uh, continue the conversation in the future. Cause I haven't even scratched the surface of a lot of the issues that I'm curious about and a lot of the issues that you uh, touch upon in your book. If folks are interested in the conversation, check out the Psych Ward Notes, Surviving Anxiety and Depression. Its author is Peter Vox. Peter, thanks for the time this morning. Well, I appreciate it, Frank. Thank Glad you you're so doing much so well. Thank you. Thank you. If uh, you want to be heard for 15 seconds, whatever subject you want to comment on, uh, how we got Jimmy from um, we got Jimmy from Vincent, why John and Jack are synonymous Stuff old people like, mental illness, the economy, you name it, biological parents, whatever. Sky's the limit. 800-848-9222. 15 seconds of fame. Straight ahead.